Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. I hope that you are all doing well. Um, For any of you that I haven't met before, my name is Heather, and I have been a part of this community for a number of years now. Uh, There's loads of things that I could tell you about myself this morning as a way of introduction, but I think probably the most important information you need to know today is that I am putting up my Christmas decorations today. Oh yeah. Now, Put up your hand if you're one of these people in the room today that believes that Christmas should be, and rightfully so, celebrated in November. (laughs) Right, put up your hand if you're bah humbug. I am shocked at how many people today actually don't put up their Christmas stuff early, but anyway, so um, today we are finishing off our teaching series in Colossians, and so we are looking at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, and so if you want to have a look in the Black Bible, it is on page 819 in the Black Bible. So we're starting at verse 2 in chapter 4. This is what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So let's just take a moment to pray. God, we thank you for your word to us today. We pray, come Holy Spirit and breathe upon these words. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wonder if I asked you this morning, when was the last time that you felt like you were left out of something? I wonder what you would say. Maybe you would talk about a time where you felt like you didn't quite fit in at a social gathering. Maybe you'd talk about a time where you felt like you were out of the loop um, with something that was happening at work. Or maybe you would talk about a time where you simply just didn't get the punchline to a joke and you laughed anyway. Um, None of us have ever done that before. Um, And whether it's in a small way or in a big way, you felt a wee bit like you were left out or a wee bit on the outside of things. I want to tell you a secret. Um, I feel a wee bit left out every time my family does maths problems together, right? Now, it's not just any maths problems. They're genuinely not that geeky, if you know them. Um, It's maths problems based on the equation speed equals distance over time, right? Let me explain. So a few years ago, we were all going somewhere in the car. I was driving, and someone said, I think it was my brother, said, well, sure, if you keep at this speed the whole way there, you'll get there at this time. And I was like, what? 
like, how do you know that? Do you know what I mean? I was like, how can you even work that out? And he was like, well, because speed equals distance over time. And I was like, what? Like, I genuinely must have skipped this part of the 11 plus, right? I don't know. But I feel like I have no knowledge whenever it comes to this. So anyway, people have sat me down. They've all sat me down, tried to help me work out this equation. But I still really struggle. So I thought I would start this morning by testing your knowledge in this area, right? So this is a wee bit of participation this morning. So I'm going to give you an equation and I want to see if you guys can work out the answer. So if I travel to a location 80 miles away from here and I leave at 2 p.m. and I'm driving at 80 miles per hour, what time will I reach my destination at? I have no idea how you guys worked that out, right? <laughs> like, I am not even joking, right? I actually wrote in my notes the answer is 3 p.m., just in case. Like, I forgot, right? I have no idea. I think the answer is 20 past three, and I'm willing to argue with any of you that tell me anything different, right? So, like, everyone in my family gets this apart from me, and whenever this happens, I can feel a wee bit, like, on the outside, um, a wee bit like I'm left out. Now, obviously, that's a silly example, but when it comes to examples of other things in our lives, times where we have felt purposely excluded or times where we felt like we're not good enough to be a part of something or times where we feel like we have not been invited, those are the times when we understand the pain of feeling like we're on the outside of a certain group of people. And in this passage in, the Col in Colossians, Paul is providing instructions to this church about how to treat those who were on the outside of the church. Being on the inside or being on the outside was something that was a normal concept in this time. As we heard at the start of this series, the very foundation of their society was built upon hierarchy and often how some groups of people were seen to be more important than others. And one of these divisions was between Jews and Gentiles, those Jews who were a part of God's family and those who were considered Gentiles, those outside of God's family. But the church at Colossae was actually a real mixture between those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles. And that's why they ended up with such a mixed theology as well as how they should practice their faith, like thoughts that they had about how they should, their faith should be lived out practically. And so that's why Paul spends so much time in this letter um, addressing these issues and trying to show the church that actually they were all equal in Christ that's why he says in chapter 3, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And so when Paul talks in this passage in Colossians 4 about the mystery of Christ, he's saying there is no more inside or outside. There is no one who is discounted from accepting Christ and becoming part of the family of God. And so if I could sum up this passage in one sentence, I think it would be this. Make the most of every opportunity with those who don't know Christ. And why does he say that? Because he wants the family of God to grow. And so he breaks this down in this passage uh, into three things that he says the church should do. And we're going to look at these three things this morning. He says, pray for opportunities. Be wise in how you act and be gracious in what you say. 
Firstly, in praying for opportunities, it's not surprising to me that Paul starts this passage by instructing the church to devote themselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Before he tells the church to go, he tells the church to pray. And not just to pray once, but to pray over and over and over again. The word devote here actually means to persist or persevere in prayer. He's saying to them, pray over and over again, being thankful for what God has done in the past, but also being alert, also being expectant, being watchful for what God's going to do in the future. And I love that whenever we came together um, to celebrate our 10-year anniversary as church, that there was really that sense of, this is where we have been. This is what we're celebrating God has done in this community in the last 10 years. But there was also that sense of this is where we're going. This is where uh, God has taken us in this next season. And then Paul goes on to say, pray that God will open the door for our message. He states his desire, like, I want to proclaim this message clearly. And it's interesting here that Paul is not saying God please give someone an opportunity to go and talk to those people. And when you send someone there, make sure they talk about you clearly. No, Paul is saying, give me, pray that I have the opportunity and that when that happens, that I will make the most of it and that I'll speak clearly. Paul most likely is talking about his fellow inmates here. And he says this, um, you know, writing his letter really from prison. And he's almost saying these chains and these prison walls will not stop me spreading the message about Christ. Paul here is including himself in the answer to his own prayers. When I was in my early 20s, I spent some time in Ibiza with 24-7 prayer. Uh, the first year I went out, I went out for five weeks. And then for the years that, uh, for a couple of years after that, I led mission teams out to Ibiza. And so in these, whenever you go on mission with 24-7, um, the focus really was engaging with holiday makers in Ibiza and clubbers in the infamous West End of San Anne, which is basically packed with clubs and bars. And so when you're out there, you engage with holidaymakers on the streets while they're clubbing at night, while they're out on their nights out. Um, you ask people, stop people, chat to people, ask them if you can pray for them. And then as it gets into the wee hours and people um, obviously get more and more drunk, then you're helping people get home safely. And that might be walking them to their hotel or um, taking them in the aptly named vomit van, the 24-7 prayer uh, got, and because local taxis like wouldn't take them home in their taxis, which for me is like, why would you be a taxi driver in Ibiza if you're worried about vomit in your car? Do you know what I mean? But anyway, um, so what I found though really, really interesting whenever I went out to Ibiza was this rhythm the 24-7 had between prayer and mission, and between prayer and being out on the streets. So Every night they would have this rhythm where half of the team would stay in the prayer room to pray while the other half went out. And then after an hour, they would swap over and the team in the streets would come in to pray and the team in the prayer room went out. And what I found about this happening, this rhythm of prayer, was that when we sat in the prayer room, very often we were praying for things that were happening out on the streets as we were sitting in the prayer room or things that our team, our half of the team was praying for, 
um, actually became things that we encountered then when we went out in the streets. So, for example, one night um, we were sitting praying and I began to pray for people who had known God before, but that wasn't the life that they were now living. And I really had this random prayer in my head, which I ended up praying God, we pray for Sunday school teachers. And I know that's so random, but I started praying for people who had taught Sunday school um, before. And we went out in the streets and we were walking around, we were chatting to people, and we came across this girl and began to talk to her. And she was asking uh, like, what our t-shirts meant, and we talked about being Christians. And this girl was like, oh, I used to be a Christian. And she began to tell us her story as to why that wasn't now the case. She didn't uh, believe in God anymore. Um, and she began to talk and tell us more and more about her life. And she was like, yeah, like I even, at one point, like I was teaching Sunday schools for, year and year, for years and years. And I was like, how amazing is that? That, you know, we ended up um, getting to pray with her at the end of the night. But when stuff like that happened over and over again, where we would pray for a certain group of people, and then we would literally meet that group of people out on the streets, we couldn't help but become really expectant about how God would answer our prayers. And not just like at some point in the really distant future, but we became expectant that God would answer not all, but at least some of our prayers, like right there and then. And one of the problems I think with the church as a whole is that we've learned how to pray without the expectancy of God answering prayers through us, like through our lives. And it's almost like we haven't let our prayers loose in the world because we ourselves are too afraid to be the answer to the things that we have been praying for. And that's one thing that I love about Vineyard is the value of prayer and mission, like going together in equal measure. In LVV, there are many of you in the room who are investing your time in prayer, whether that's with our new boiler room or at other times in the week where we gather to pray. But also as a church, we're those who get, we are those who value mission um, and not just uh, mission at a certain time of year, like coming up to Christmas, but this is why as a community we spend so much time and money and resources pouring into our local community. Steve Stockman, who is a well-known Presbyterian minister from Northern Ireland, I think expresses this desire brilliantly when he says this in one of his poems. Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a choral in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me as graffiti on the subway wall. Secondly, Paul says in this passage, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And in this passage, Paul talks a lot about the importance of sharing the message of Christ in our words and in our conversations, as we'll talk about in a minute. But, and while that's really important to Paul, you know, that the church wouldn't shy away from sharing this message about Christ, in the middle of these verses, he talks to the church about being wise in how they act towards those who aren't Christians. And Paul isn't forgetting that actions are important when it comes to displaying the Christian life to others. Throughout Colossians, he's been telling the church how to behave correctly towards others and address the gaps that were created because of power structures in this time. He wanted the church to have wisdom in how they treated others in everyday life. And 
He goes on to say in these verses, make the most of every opportunity. And I love this statement because he's saying, like, don't let any opportunity pass you by. I've had a really interesting week this week because on Monday I had texted into a group chat that I have with uh, some friends from church and um, I was texting about preparing this talk and I was saying, you know, please be praying tonight, you know, that I get finished and, uh, and yeah, you know, talk about what I need to talk about. And Emma Wilson, who some of you guys will know, is in that group chat. And she wrote me a really helpful message back, right? She said this, feel like you should challenge yourself to pray with a stranger every day this week and speak about how it goes. That would be awesome. (laughs) Well, Next time Emma speaks, I'm going to send her a message. Um, But as soon as she said that, right, I was like, okay. Like, I just felt like it wasn't just something that Emma was saying. I felt like, okay, God, I hear you in this. Um, So I'm sitting there, and it's like 9 o'clock at night. Like, um, I'm sitting in Dramara, so I'm like, okay, let's go to the garage in Dramara. (laughs) See who we can pray for. Um, But actually, I felt like God said, no, you need to go to Sainsbury's. And I was like, oh, right. So I got in the car, right? And on the way to Sainsbury's, I was thinking about this guy I know. He works in Sainsbury's. And every time I'm in, we have a bit of a chat about like how life's going for him. And I was like, right, maybe you want me, God, to make like that extra step with that person and pray for that person. Um, But of course, he wasn't working that night, right? And so I basically walked around Sainsbury's. So at this point, it's about half nine, right? And I looked, walked around Sainsbury's, really loitering (laughs) in certain aisles because it had nothing that I needed to buy, right? So it's like looking at stir fry, like class, you know, but I didn't even like, I didn't even buy the stir fry, right? So it's like, I am going to get thrown out because I'm sitting having these internal conversations with God, like, do you want me to pray for that person? Do you want me to pray for that person? Like, do you know? But didn't talk to anyone, right? So on the way in, I had noticed this guy who was collecting trolleys in the car park. And I thought, well, if worse comes to worse, I'll just go. So I had a backup plan. I had a backup plan. I thought, if worse comes to worse, I'll just go and buy some sweets, right? And like, give it to the trolley man. And so I thought, okay, we'll go and buy some sweets and give it to the trolley man, right? So I bought some sweets, got outside, couldn't see this guy in the car park, eventually spotted him down the car park, and so I started heading in his direction. Now, I don't know a lot about collecting trolleys, right? I don't know, is there something in the movement, you know, or the momentum of it? Like, once you get started, you have to keep going if you've got, like, loads of trolleys, right? But I was like, I started walking towards him, and he took off with the trolleys, right? So he starts running with the trolleys, and I thought, I'll run after you then. So... (laughs) I don't know why, right? So I start running after this man with a box of Malteser truffles, and I'm like, I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. So eventually caught up with him, right? And I mean, like, I couldn't have butchered this anymore if I tried, right? So I looked at him, and everything else had gone out of my head to say to him about why I was giving him this box of sweets. And I looked at him, and I literally said, here's some sweets for you because it's cold collecting trolleys. And I walked off, like, just walked off. Um, and I was like, ah, 
right, well, this is a very successful day one. Um, and so let me tell you about Tuesday. Now, don't worry, before you panic, I'm not going to tell you about every day, right? But let me tell you about Tuesday. So that was Monday. And then on Tuesday, um, nothing had happened in work that was, you know, anything crazy. Uh, hadn't really seen that many people. I was actually feeling really rubbish in work. I think there's loads going around at the moment. So I ended up, I came home at tea time and sat under a blanket for the rest of the night. But it sort of got to about, I don't know, maybe about eight or nine. And I was like, oh, I, I should do that thing. <laughs> you know, who am I going to pray for today? Um, and this idea popped into my head, right, why don't you ask people on Facebook if you can pray for them? And if you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll maybe have seen this post going up and like, what is she at, right? So I put up this post and I basically just said, like, all of us have things going on, you know, behind closed doors that we don't talk about, that we maybe don't get support with. Um, but if there's anything that I can pray for you about, send me a message and let me know. And within an hour, three people had messaged me back. And one of the messages that was sent to me um, was by someone who I don't see regularly. Um, but this person said this, Heather, I know it's been three years, but I read your Facebook post about prayer. I hope you don't mind my request. I struggle with anxiety and have gone through struggles just as COVID hit, which I sometimes feel like I haven't let go of. I definitely struggle with loss and with life at home quite busy with the kids. I feel like I've lost myself. I'd appreciate prayer regarding patience and waiting on God and listening to him. I would love to meet up sometime thinking of you and thank you for your post. And such a simple thing of putting that post up on Facebook um, actually resulted in people sent me messages, even on into Wednesday, where people were asking for prayer for their marriages. People were asking for prayer for their mental health. Someone was asking for prayer for starting a new job. Someone was, start, was asking prayer for their business that wasn't going well. And so I don't have time to go through what happened every single day of the week, right? But here is a wee quick summary of what happened to me this week, right? So I got shouted at by a man in the street for trying to give him a free cup of tea. I gave a cup of tea to a, a taxi driver. I spoke to a lovely security man called George. I talked to some Jehovah Witnesses. I spoke to a lady about the pain in her back. And I got hearing all sorts of snippets of people's lives this week. And through this week, there was two things that God really taught me. Firstly, was how to make the most of every opportunity. I didn't end up praying with anyone directly. Like, even the lady who had a bad back that I met yesterday, um, she actually walked off before. I must have been really slow at taking the opportunity because she walked off with her bad back, you know, and I didn't pray. Um, and so I didn't pray for anyone this week, but there was a real sense of, like, intentionality that I think made a difference where I was going through my day looking for opportunities um, and seeking them out. But secondly, God has taught me this week about how to invite people into community. So yesterday on the final day, I was doing a street collection to raise funds for the youth centre that I run. And so for six hours, I was standing in the main street of Banbridge with a bucket and my Santa hat on. And it was freezing, really, really cold. But what blew me away yesterday was the kindness that was shown towards me 
from people in Banbridge, some people I knew and some people I didn't. And so during the day, we had, for example, a young person's granny bring us some tea. Um, I love it. This fella brought up his granny. He was like, this is Buckfast granny. I was like, so he always calls his granny when he tells stories about her, Buckfast granny, because she loves a wee drink of Buckfast at the weekend. And he was like, this is Buckfast granny. And I was like, oh, pleased to meet you. I found out her name's Charlotte. So um, she brought us tea, which was class. So then one of my friends brought her whole family, including her kids, to help out. A young person came up and gave us lollies to eat. Some of our young people came and helped us give out to the sweets to the kids, even though they hadn't been asked to. A parent of one of our young people brought us hot chocolate, and a lady in Poundland offered to buy us gloves. And the day went on like this, where people just, through small acts of kindness, um, cared for us and really like look at, looked after us as we were doing this and it made me realize when I go chasing after the trolley man at Sainsbury's right or I give a taxi driver a cup of tea I invite them into community with other people ultimately we want people to join God's family and to not fail on the outside of what we do here on a Sunday but how do we expect people to join this community or any other community like it if we don't extend our hands of kindness or hospitality at, either, at any other point in the week? We cannot say the community matters to us in here if we ourselves as individuals or families or groups of friends are not willing to demonstrate it outside the walls of the church. Once again, as Steve Stockman says, Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a coral in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me as graffiti on the subway wall. And finally, Paul says to the church in this passage, let your conversation always be so full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And whenever Paul talks about grace, this word could be described as to lean towards someone or to extend yourself in someone's direction. And when you're in conversation with others, are you leaning in or are you leaning out? And I obviously don't mean physically. I mean, are you invested in the conversations that you're having with your co-workers, your family members and your neighbours? Are you leaning in? When Paul mentions here, our conversations being seasoned with salt? So he then says, so that we may know how to answer everyone. I think he touches on one of our biggest fears as Christians when it comes to evangelism, that we won't know what to say when it comes to answering certain questions. And no matter how long we have been a Christian for, we can still sit, carry this sense of fear, like, what if I don't have an answer to that person? Paul is not saying here, make sure you know what you think about the dinosaurs or be able to defend your position on creation or be able to describe your theology of suffering. Do people ask us these questions? Of course they do. And where possible, we need to have an answer. But ultimately, Paul is saying here, let your conversation be so salty that people can't help but ask you for a drink of water after speaking to you. He's saying be so salty that people want to know what it is that you've got. People want to know the answers that you have. But even when we hear this, we can also think, well, maybe my testimony's, you know, boring compared to other people who I know or people around us. 
Here's the thing, our testimonies are continually being written. Our testimony is not just about the day we decided to become a Christian. Our testimony is about what God did in our lives 10 years ago and what God has been doing in our life 10 minutes ago. It is your own story with God and how he has brought you through the ups and downs of life, the times you clung to him and the times you turned away, the times you had faith and the times you nearly lost all hope. And that is what people want to hear. That is the salty conversation that makes people want to ask you for a drink. It doesn't matter how messy your life has been because sometimes the worst parts of our story can become the best parts of our testimony when we allow God to work within them. God loves to use the parts of our lives that have been broken or feel misshapen or messy because they're often the parts of our lives where God has worked even in the midst of acute pain. And those are the parts of our lives that God wants to share, wants us to share with others because they are the parts that often people can relate to the most. And so to finish this morning, what I would love to do is just to invite you to stand just as the band comes up and begins to play. And so to finish off this morning, I'm just going to read out some of those words again from Steve Stockman's poem. But this time I'm going to read the poem in full. And if you're comfortable, what I would ask you to do is just close your eyes and just focus. Kids sit on street corners, sipping bottles of cheapest wine. The, trace, the taste of their transcendence is not the sacramental kind. There's not time for ancient concepts when you long for bread alone and their only picture of mercy are faces in Victorian stone. Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a choral in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me graffiti on the subway wall. Billy couldn't come to church. He had no righteous rags. He went to see God in prison where he could bring his packet of figs. Ideas look good from a distance, but life is lived up close. You can end up swallowing elephants when it's candy floss you chew the most. Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a choral in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me as graffiti on the subway wall. And feel free just to keep your eyes closed as we respond to God this morning. I feel like there's two groups of people in the room today. First of all, I feel like there are some people who feel like they or on the outside of things whenever it comes to church. And it might be that you have been in church a long time, or it might be that you've only started coming back to church, or you've only been here a short while. But I feel like you have this feeling, just like I described at the start, where you feel on the outside of things. And it's almost like it would make you not want to be a part of this community or invest in relationships in this community where it's been holding you back in some ways. And so if this is you this morning and you feel like you're on the outside for some reason, I'd love you just to put out your hands in front of you as response. 
There's a second group of people as well. I feel like we're in the room today and you're the people who really want to make the most of every opportunity. It's almost like you have a burning desire in your heart today to make your life count. And you feel like you're almost going to explode if you don't end up sharing your faith with other people. Someone came up to me in the break between services today and as I said, I poured uh, my cup of water all over the table as I started the first in the first service to speak. And this person came up to me in between services and said, Heather, that's a picture of what your life is going to be. It is going to spill out everywhere. And I feel like that that's a picture, not just for me today, but maybe for some other people in the room, where you just have this desire for your life to spill out, for what you've got within you that's welling up within you to spill out over into other people. And you might be within that group and think, well, I feel disqualified, or I don't even know if I think God could use me. And I think God wants to assure you today even some of the worst parts of your story are going to become the best parts of your testimony. And so if any of that makes sense to you, I'd love you just to put your hands out as well. And if you're not responding, what I would love you to do is just look around the room and just go and put your hand on someone and pray for someone who is responding. So just take a wee look around and just Put your hand on someone, gently pray for them. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We pray more Holy Spirit. God, for those in the room today who's hearts feel broken because they have felt on the outside of things God we pray would you come and would you pour in healing where the words or the actions of other people have made you feel excluded God says today you are in a safe place I want you to be here and yeah God we just pray for taking every opportunity we pray God give us courage give us courage to step out afresh to see those who you want us to engage with in our communities in Jesus name Amen